You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information, visit us at www.redwoodbaptist.org. We are currently in a series entitled God Friends. Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, it's one of my favorite songs, Man of Sorrows. And Praise God for what He did in my heart this morning. Children, you may be dismissed to... Uh, your children's class at this time. Adrian is in the back there to, to take them. And Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We've spent the last uh, several weeks uh, in a just a short series on Got Friends. And uh, I, hope that, uh, I hope that you have learned something uh, from, from this series, maybe something that you can take away uh, in, in, in your everyday life. And uh, I'm thankful for uh, what the Lord has just taught me, and uh, I, I, I'm longing for uh, the type of the type of friendships that uh, we have looked at uh, over these over these several weeks. And uh, we've been in Ephesians uh, four uh, for uh, some time now, and uh, we've been kind of just uh, going through some of these verses. And uh, last week we talked about how we can have a how we can have a game plan, a game plan for uh, healthy relationships. And uh, I'm going to review that here uh, just very, very briefly this morning because this morning what we're going to look at is the realities of an unhealthy friendship or what does an unhealthy uh, friendship uh, look like. And uh, so last week we, uh, we kind of hit on what is a, what is a healthy friendship, what is, well, what is a friendship that is, that, that is growing and that is healthy and uh, we saw early on in the uh, in the chapter of Ephesians four that you and I we need to be we, we need to be working hard at that. Uh, in uh, verse three, it talks about how we're to be endeavoring to keep the unity, and uh, you and I were to be uh, it, it's it's work to keep a friendship going. It's hard. Why? Because you're going to have you're going to have two sinners that are trying to trying to do life together, and uh, whether. Uh, no, no, no matter what that dynamic is, whether it is a, a marital type uh, relationship or if it's just a, you know, just, just friendship basis, just unity, companion, and how you and I, we were created for it. Uh, it wasn't good for man to be alone, and so God created a companion, and a direct course would be uh, a marital relationship, but it's really overarching for mankind in general to, uh, to have companions, to have friends, and that's going to take work going to take work on your part. And uh, most often friends end because of just the, uh, just the lack of caring, the lack of dealing with things when things take place. We also talked about uh, last week how you and I, we need to be uh, removing expectations. So often we, and we, we, we expect our friends to fulfill this list that we have in our minds when really you're the one that ought to have the list. And we looked at verse 2, how you ought to, your list ought to be humility, ought to be a lowliness of mind, that you ought to have a, have a meekness or a gentleness about you, and that you ought to have a long-suffering, patient, forbearing way of dealing with people. And so we ought to remove the expectations from them. We actually ought to place them on ourselves. And uh, you and I, were at peace with God Thus, we can be at peace with one another. And then we talked a little bit last week about how you and I, we ought to celebrate diversity. How we've got one Lord, one Jesus, one Father, one Holy Spirit, one baptism, yet many, many gifts are given to us as individuals. And how there ought to be some diversity. 
And I want to ask you a question. How often do you see diversity as a hindrance for your friendships? You know, how often is it? How often are you frustrated and annoyed by the different strengths and weaknesses that your friends have? So are you working hard at your friendship? Are you working hard? Are you, uh, are you expecting more from your friends to serve you rather than you serve them? And when you look around, are, is there a great diversity in the companions and the close people that you're doing life with? But later in this chapter of Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul, he lays some realities really of an of a unhealthy friendship. And I want to encourage you to follow along closely as I read, I'm going to read the full passage. It's going to be, and some of you get nervous because you know how I normally do things. We just tackle a couple verses. Today there's like 15 of them. Okay, So don't worry, I'll get you home before the, before the Niners start losing. Okay, Man, I don't even know why you guys come back every week. I rip on them every week. and uh, No, I'm just kidding, but uh, you, don't, you don't need to worry about that. Now before I read the text that we're going to look at this morning, I need to warn you. And what I want to warn you with is that it's very tempting for you to identify a friend or to identify a former friend who can be characterized by these realities. Now the Bible is, of course, very... It sympathizes with and provides comfort for those who have been hurt and those that have suffered in relationships. Clearly thankful for the grace that is found in the Word to those that have been hurt. However, the point of this passage is for us to examine our own hearts. Okay? One's got to understand that um, Jesus Christ was the one that was hurt by His friends at the highest. And He ministers to you in grace. But as we read this text, I don't want you to be thinking about somebody else. I don't want you to be thinking about the friend that's hurt you or the companion that said this or did this or whatnot. I want you to this morning do something for me. And He is very high paid. I get that. I want you to fire your inner lawyer. You know that inner defense lawyer that you have that says, oh, you know, this isn't really for me. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Hey, this text doesn't speak of me. This text speaks of my wife. And this text speaks of... No, no, no. I want you to fire that person this morning. Okay? And I want you to hire the Holy Spirit of God to point in this text where you can be a better friend. Where you can realize that, you know what, there's some things that, that maybe are unhealthy in the way I treat others. Okay, So I want you to imagine for a moment how beautiful a friendship could be if both people were actively committed to confessing their sins to one another and to own life and to not find reasons to condemn the other. So I'm going to read the text for you. Um, most times we just look at it and then we put verses later on in the message up on the screen. But I don't want anybody to miss it. So I'm going to, I put these verses up on the screen. I want you to follow along. And I want you to, again, fire your inner lawyer. He's not your defender this morning. Okay? And please don't be thinking of somebody else. All right, we'll begin reading verse 17. Jump down to verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have 
given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, you've not learned that from Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth that is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or the former lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another, be angry and sin not. Let not the sin go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so the first reality of this unhealthy relationship is by far the longest point of them all. So do not gauge um, this first point on the entire message, okay? Because I've got six or seven unhealthy characteristics of or unhealthy realities of friendships, okay? And so uh, it'll be smooth sailing once we begin. Once we get beyond this first one, I think the first one is so often the um, the, the 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 kind of the railroad tracks for the rest of them. Okay, first of all, we see the tendency t- towards self-indulgence in self-worship. The tendency towards self-indulgence and self-worship. When we're beginning to evaluate what an unhealthy friendship looks like, well, it's going to be one where it's kind of bent towards self. Going to be dent- bent towards you know self-worship of Ourself. And so I want to go back to the beginning of our text and I want to I want I want us to read it again. Okay, and so we can kind of kind of uh, grasp some of these ideas. Let's begin reading in verse number 17 again. We'll put it up on the screen. All right. This I say, therefore, and kind of think about about self versus kind of kind of God. Therefore, I testify in the Lord that you henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind and having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, okay? For those that are, those that are Christians, those, 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 that have, those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Listen, it says in verse number 22, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now listen, we could take literally, we, we could take a couple weeks 
on the doctrine and the theology uh, that is found in that text. But what I want us to do is I want to kind of just give a kind of a cursory look at it as you and I begin to understand some unhealthy characteristics of friendships. And so the text here, really kind of on the surface, it, it lays out two warring kingdoms. Two kingdoms that are, that, are, that are constantly at war within ourselves. It's the kingdom of self. The kingdom of self-indulgence or the deceitful of lust. The, 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 the desires that, that we have. Okay, the, That kingdom of self versus the kingdom of Christ. Or the kingdom of self-sacrifice. Every day, in your friendship, a battle is going to take place on your heart. The turf of your heart is going to be a battle of, am I, am I going to allow this relationship to be, to be driven by what I want? Or am I going to allow this friendship to be driven by what God wants? Or God's purpose? There's a lot of there's a lot of self-worship that's going on in our world today. A lot of self-worship that goes on in our, in our friendships. And I want to I flesh that out here for a little bit. A.W. Tozer, he wrote, It is certainty, it is certainly, excuse me, true that hardly anything is missing from our churches these days except the most important thing. We are missing genuine and sacred offering of ourselves and our worship to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man. Listen, listen. We just spent, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, I don't know how long, of just literally adoration and worship unto the Lord. Over the years, just now, hey, settle down. Let, let, let me say something here. Over the years, I have heard over time, and I literally just read this recently, of kind of a pastor in the Bay Area where I've said, you know, I didn't, I didn't particularly like that worship service. And you know, and it's like, but that's okay because it wasn't for you, right? It was for the Lord. It wasn't for us. And so sometimes we'll, you know, and, and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on anybody this morning. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. But listen, there's a lot of times where, where, where we can have everything just like cookie cutter, like the churches aren't missing anything, yet a realization, you know what, this isn't about me. This is about the Lord. And I, I, I'm going to worship Him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve Him. And so at some point or another in my marriage, in the ministry, in my friendships, or in just mundane interactions with everyday activities, I have bought the lie that I am a person that is worth worshiping. I just know it. I, mean, I've been, I, I can look back. I can look back on the 15 years of marriage and the 15 years of ministry and friendships that go much further than that. And I've kind of sometimes buy into the lie periodically that I am a person that is worthy of worship. But there's something else that I want to communicate to you this morning. And that's, uh, although I'm saddened, by my self-worship, I'm not defeated by that. Because the reality is, is that God's amazing grace continues to rescue me, continues to restore me, continues to change me. He's still, he's still working on me. He is progressively delivering me from this kingdom of self. You see, the Apostle Paul, he's writing here to the, to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, in your, in your life, you're going to have to put this stuff off. 
Okay? Just like, you know, if so, you know, you were to take off maybe a coat or something and you were to put something else on. Listen, the power of sin has been broken. It's been canceled in your life. Praise God for Jesus and his blood for that. But the presence is still in your life. The presence of sin, okay? It's still it's still a reality. And so there's going to be times, listen, where this is going to be this kind of progressive delivering of this where you're going to have to you're going to have to put this off. You're going to have to put this on. You're going to have to put on the new man. You're going to have to put on the, you know, the purpose of God for your friendships. Okay? And so, in the midst of the struggle in which sometimes I like to worship myself and I like to make friendships about me and conversations about me, all those different types of things, God is miraculously using, you know, things that come in my life to, to, to eradicate that. If you were to watch a video of my life of literally just... 2018, here's what some of you would be thinking. You'd be thinking, Ryan, you are not qualified to teach on self-worship this morning. And I get that. Because all you're going to do is watch, you know, watch a little bit of my life. Okay? Put it up on the big screen there. And you think, yeah, you're not so qualified in that. Uh, but, you know, and I'd say you're right. If it were not for the glorious grace of Christ, I couldn't. Because in love, you know what, you know what Christ is doing? You know what God is doing? He's, he's defacing my glory so that His glory would be my delight. He is robbing my kingdom so that His kingdom would be my joy. He is crushing my crown that I so often like to put on, and He is replacing that with a crown of His glory through my life and through my friendships. Sometimes it's a violent process. Sometimes I hold on to it. Sometimes it's like, you know, God, no, 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 I want this. I want this friendship to be all about me. I want this relationship to be all about me. And yet, God is eradicating that. And God's not going to stop until He has our hearts. You know, just fully, fully cleansed. And I'm thankful for that. That is the good news of the Gospel for self-worshippers like you as well as me. And oftentimes, uh, we, we, we make our relationships, we make our, we make our friendships about, about us. About what we want. We've got the checklist. Talked about it last week. We got the checklist, and we're just we're just waiting for our friends to cross it. We're just waiting for it. You know, it's a very it's a very law driven relationship rather than a grace driven relationship. And when it's law driven, listen, we put way too much pressure on people to fulfill something that only God will be the one that fulfills us. I've used this thought with you before, but have you ever have you ever pondered that um, fish? How I many of you like fish? If you like fish, I love salmon. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll have that this afternoon. I don't know. But fish, fish don't go swimming. Think about that. Fish, they don't go swimming. We compare worshiping, or we can compare worshiping to swimming. We humans, we go swimming. I'm not a fish. Water is not my natural habitat. So I say I am going to go swimming. You think, Ryan, you're off your rocker. What does this have anything to do with anything? Just give me a minute here, okay? Now, when you think about fish, all right, you don't think of them as going swimming. No, why? Because that's not what he's doing. That is where he lives. He does not go swimming. He is swimming all the time. And so the problem with, with worshiping is that we tend to think that we are like a man that goes swimming instead of realizing that we are fish. We are worshiping Something all the time. 
Oftentimes, listen to me, oftentimes we categorize our life and we say, okay, I'm going to the church house to worship. No, 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 no. We are like that fish where he's always in the water. You and I, we are always worshiping. Always. We were created for worship. We were created for that. Worship is not something that we do on occasion. It's what we're doing all the time by default. And you and I need to understand that. When it comes to, when, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our friendships, uh, listen, if you and I do not realize that we are always in danger of making things about us and not making it about God, then guess what? It's going to be a very, very unhealthy relationship. Because we're going to be looking for our friends to constantly serve us because we've made it about us. When you and I, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to put that off. You've got to realize that there is a constant war on your heart and on your mind every single day for, for the turf, so to speak. Who's going to reign on that heart? Is it going to be self? Self-indulgence? Self-worship? Is there going to be God and God's purposes? How does God want you to serve your friends? How does God want you to serve back to earlier in the text of being humble and gentle and long-suffering and patient with them? Okay, and so right here, right now, early on, you say, good thing point, six through, or point two through six is a lot shorter. We'll be good with that, I promise you. But right here, right now, you and I, what we ought to do is we ought, to, we ought to realize that this is a problem. We ought to realize that often we worship ourselves and our friendships. Oftentimes we're trying to, we're trying to maneuver how we, can, how we can best be seen, how we can best uh, be, um, um, be elevated, so to speak. So admit right now, kind of in your heart, cry out to the Lord. Admit that you're magnetized to yourself in your friendship and ask Jesus to intervene on your behalf. Okay? He absolutely will. He absolutely will rescue us from this unhealthy way of viewing things, of how we have a tendency towards self, self-worship. Okay, let me give you another one here. Moving on, all right? We'll move much, much quicker here. Different kind of message this morning, kind of just practical. Hopefully, some of the things can help you. Number two, the tendency toward deceit. The tendency toward deceit. Look at verse 25. Wherefore putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We must speak honestly into our friendships. And the reason why is because we often are driven by our own purpose. We often are driven by this, this warring of these two different types of kingdoms, the kingdom of flesh, self, or the kingdom of God, and the Spirit in us. Since, since we are warring in those different types of things, and we're often driven by ourselves and by our own purpose, we will be tempted to manipulate the truth to get what we want. We'll be tempted to kind of maneuver a conversation, maneuver into a situation. Why? So that maybe we can come out on top. So that we can come out the hero. I love to be the hero. Any of you like to be the hero? I love it. And so sometimes if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll just, we'll just 
bend it a little bit. Just bend the truth. Okay, but you and I, we need to be, we need to be, we need to put away lying. We need to put away, you know, the truth. And so again, we're looking at the lens of friendship through these texts. And so some of them, you think, ah, you know, they don't quite, you know, they don't quite necessarily connect. And I'm going to, uh, hopefully I'm going to try to connect those for us. This is one of the reasons why uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, but let your conversation be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So what Jesus was saying there is, hey, let your, let your no be no. If you say no, let, let it be legitimate. Let it be real. Let your yes. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, be a man or be a woman of truth. Okay? And so in your friendships, be a man or a woman or in your companionship, if, if it be your spouse, of truth. Tell the truth. We don't got to shade things. Okay? We don't have to try to come out on top. It's a, it's a dangerous place to be. And it really kind of goes back to the point where I spent the most time on. If we're worshiping ourselves, then guess what? We're going to just twist it a little bit. Okay? We're going to want us to, we're going we're, we're to want to look good. Okay? Number three. Moving on. All right? Number three. The tendency toward anger. The tendency toward anger. Okay, we see that in verse number 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sin go down, sun go down, excuse me, upon your wrath. Neither give place or room or an advancement place for the devil in your life. Now listen, it's not a sin to be angry. Okay, not at all is it a sin to be angry. You should be righteously angered when a friend sins against you. In the context of our series, a friend, hey, if a, if a friend sins against you, you ought, to be, you ought to be righteously angered at that. However, sin does come into play and the devil does gain foothold, does gain ground in our life, okay, when we attempt to control the relationship by either venting our anger or by holding it over our friends. Do you see how, see how we can do that? All right, so so someone sins against us. Hey, we're doing life together. Remember a couple weeks ago, and you know, uh, sinner number one, sinner number two, in a fallen world, yikes, just broken. Okay, apart from the grace of God, there's nothing good that comes about that friendship. Okay, so you got so you got you got two sinners coming together. So guess what? Sin's going to happen. Things are going to be said. Things are going to be done. Our feelings are going to get hurt. Emotions are going to be kind of shattered a little bit. And so when you and I, but we've got to be angry. And we've got to sin not. One of the ways we sin is we lash out in that anger or we use it against them. We dangle it over them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you remember when you said that? You remember when you did that? And that can really happen in between, you know, husband and wife. It, 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 it really can, okay? So let's not use the sin that's been done against us, the hurt, the harm, to manipulate the other person, all right? That would be a, uh, you know, kind of, it, 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 you're tending toward ruling your relationship in anger, and that's not a good place to be, okay? All right? Let's go on to number four here. You all right? Everyone's okay? Who's tired now? Don't, don't raise your hand on that. If you go to sleep, I won't throw anything at you, I promise. Number four, the tendency, I've already kind of hit on this, towards selfishness. The tendency towards selfishness. Look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now this verse may be hard to relate to at first, especially if you have a job, all right? Uh, especially maybe if you are the employer and you have people that work for you. And so you kind of think of, well, you know, I'm not a thief in the definition of the, the law. I get that. 
But so think about it in a more simpler way. How often do you protect or hold on to what you have rather than offer it to your friend and effort to serve them? Okay? So you and I, we're not necessarily, hopefully, all right, we're not going and stealing things. Okay, okay, all right, you know, it doesn't really apply. I'm not a thief in that aspect. But how often does God tell you to, within your power, a friend has a need and we don't? See what I mean there? You see how you can... You can actually take this. You, you can understand this verse that you know in the context. You got to understand what this context is. You go to the beginning of the chapter. It's all about unity, okay? So unity in our friendships, and and God wants to use you to bless a friend, to bless a companion, to bless somebody. And instead, what do we do? We 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 withhold that, okay? Let's not do that. Let's not have a tendency towards selfishness. If God says, "Hey, I want you to, I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to, you know." I got the kindest note this week. I'll tell you what. I mean, it just, oh, blessed my heart. Literally tears were just running down my face as I read it. I mean, think about that. Think about if that individual had been given the impulse of the Holy Spirit not to do that. I mean, man, it just, you, you can kind of see the, you can see the ramifications. Let's not, let's not tend to selfishness. Let's not just hoard everything that we have. Okay, let's give of our time. Let's give of our uh, uh, of our money and things like that. When people have need, let's bless others. Amen. Okay, I think I think I think we can apply that verse absolutely um, to this to the study. Okay, number number five. Moving quickly, the tendency toward unhelpful communication, unhelpful communication. Verse twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying or to build up or to encourage, that, ye, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So this, this verse applied to friendship warns us that rather than using our language to build others up, okay, we tend to use words to ensure that we kind of, again, we kind of come out on top. Okay? Here's where, here's where we can be dangerous. Here's where this can be dangerous. If you find yourself, and I can, I can use this illustration because sometimes this is me. If you find yourself always having to one-up the person's story, listen, you don't always have to win. Okay, if someone, you know, if someone caught a fish this big, you don't have to tell a whopper that you caught a fish this big, okay? All right? But here's what sometimes happens. Mike and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago in the office and how, you know, sometimes you're listening to people talk and you're like, there's no way that happened. But then, you know, you've got a one-up where, where it's always, try to, try to apply it to your life. Don't just let verses like this just slip off into, you know, into nothingness where, yeah, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I kind of tear them down a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the notches of, uh, of them down a little bit. Why? So that I can be esteemed in this moment. It goes back to the selfish worship stuff. All right, and so it's like, hey, I I don't want to I don't want to rejoice in in this person because I want people to rejoice in me. And so if we're not careful, man, in just the little nuances of our friendship, these can be signs that they're unhealthy. That if we just have this tendency to kind of uh, try to communicate where where we're going to tear someone down just a little bit, just take 
take a couple notches off them so that we look better. Okay? Solomon said in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow, it's so important. Whole, whole other series we can preach on uh, what we, uh, how we speak. Number six, moving on. The tendency toward division. The tendency toward division. And, and this does apply more than we think it does, the, the, this text, to our series. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and, and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Again, you kind of you look at verse number 31, you begin to feel like, hey, pff, I can't relate to this. You know, I've, I've never been in a fist fight, you know, with one of my, with one of my friends. I've, I've never been in a brawl. I've never gotten to the plate where, I, where I'm screaming in their face. And, I've, I've never been there. So this doesn't apply. However, what is far more common in our lives and in our friendships would be for us to view our friend as some type of adversary rather than a companion in the struggle of friendships. Don't, don't, don't miss this. We're doing life together, right? Sinner number one, sinner number two, and oftentimes that means that we're going to have issues in our relationship, and if we're not careful, we're going to view that other person as the reason for the problem. Rather than, man, we're in this thing together, and I'm sorry, you're sorry, hey, let's just grow and let's just, you know, God often uses friendships to sanctify us, oftentimes. And so if we're not careful, we get bitterness in our hearts. And, you know, the wrath and the anger might not come out in ah, But instead, it's like we take this adversarial approach to, to our friends. It's always their fault. Whenever there's tension, it's their fault. And listen, that's unhealthy. Unhealthy place to be. If you and I realize that it takes two to tango, then, re- then listen, it is both of the issues. Both, but both of us are, are the problem. Okay? And so don't always, don't always divide. Don't always say, hey, I'm right. She's wrong. No. Realize that, that, that in Christ you can stay unified. Okay? Let's go to number seven here. Final one. Praise the Lord. Number seven. The tendency toward an unforgiving spirit. The tendency toward an unforgiving spirit. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The final verse in the chapter is the ultimate definition of a gospel friendship. Rather than wanting to make a friend pay for their wrongs, rather than using that list that we talked about last week, that that list of laws, of those expectations, instead you crinkle that up. And you don't hold things that are said unto you over them. You don't hold things that are done unto you over them. Instead, you relinquish them over to God. Remember in our series on forgiveness a couple months back, there might be something said unto you or done unto you that is so harsh that maybe humanly there might not be that restoration that you want, but what you and I are to do, we are to give that over to God. You and I are to to relinquish that person. Forgive them freely. And here's what I know as I get ready to close here this morning. Here's what I know. The person that knows how much they need grace will be the one that extends grace. 
if you will have a radical understanding that you never become a a gospel graduate, that you never become a grace graduate, that you are an everyday desperately needing it in your own life. You are desperately needing the kind of the continued forgiveness from the Father because of your continued transgressions in your life. If you will come to an understanding that you need it, you will give it. But if we believe that we somehow are keeping the law, or if we believe that somehow we are being able to keep these lists with people, then guess what? We're going to hold it over people. We're not going to forgive them. We're not going to, we're not going to extend the grace that the Gospel tells us to give people. Oh, revel in the fact that you still need grace and it will make you a gracious person. After reading a text like this, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I respond with a couple different emotions. And here's my first response. I get burdened by the call of the Christian life. Man, it's heavy. Now remember, your inner lawyer was saying, yeah, he was giving you names of people. But no, 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 when you look at this text and you see Ryan, 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 I get burdened by the call that this new man that this new man in Christ, this, this new creature, that old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, this, this new man, these new clothes, so to speak, that I'm supposed to put on, I'm like, yikes. It's a lot. Get burdened by it. My second emotion is I get overwhelmed with the amount of realities in this text to remember to keep the unity. It's a lot. And then sometimes I even get filled with regret over past sins that I committed in friendships. So here's what I want to leave you here with this morning. I want you to understand that there is forgiveness and there is mercy and there is empowering grace for every area of struggle in the Christian life. The quicker you learn this, the quicker I learn this, that God never exposes our sin to ridicule us. Ever. That was never my intention this morning. To any way to ridicule you. If any one of those points, you're like, yeah, that nailed me. It's never to ridicule you. God is never bringing up your sin to ridicule you. But rather, He forgives us and invites us to grow in the likeness of Christ. Instead of trying to memorize all seven of these, please, I probably couldn't even give them to you right now and I just preached them. Why don't you just focus on one or two? Whichever one the Holy Spirit of God kind of kind of just maybe maybe pricked your heart a little bit on. Why don't, you, why don't you just focus on one or two of those and say, hey God, you know what? This, this week, I want to I make sure that my friendships are on the, on the healthy side of this. That was last week. And then I can see that, hey, that there's some areas where in my own heart, in my own life, don't be thinking of the other person. In my own heart, my own life, there's some struggles here. And ask God to help you with that. And then in a week or two, if, we, if it got recorded, sometimes it doesn't, and there's no worries, go back to the website, re-listen to the message, and maybe the Holy Spirit will pinpoint another one of the realities of an unhealthy relationship. God's timing is always perfect. It's always right. I wish I could go back in time and pull words out of the ears of my wife. Wish I could pull, ears out of, pull words out of the ears of my children. Yeah, I know sometimes I do wish I could pull my children's ears. But in all reality, I wish I could take words out of what they heard. 
what my friends have heard, what maybe just common acquaintances have heard. But God chose to reveal truth to me sometimes later on. At the time, I was, time I was blinded by sin. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Sin blinds us. And man, what I said was the flesh just coming out. And you've, that's why we still need the grace. That's why we run back to Christ. And so He, he kind of reveals things at different times in your life. And instead of trying to change God's timing, I should focus on what He has revealed to me today. How has God spoken to you today about your friendships? Is there maybe an unhealthy reality that you could ask God to work to help you in your, in your relationships? I pray that you will. I pray that God would bless you as you take full advantage of, of the truths of Scripture. Next week, we're going we're, we're to close out this series next week before uh, we have our guest preacher, John Guy, come. And next week, we're going to look at how the gospel is the very train tracks for friendship. We're going to see how, how Christ is the rescuer for them all. But I pray that, I pray that something said today. I didn't, I didn't want to expose your sins in any way. Um, shame you. Instead, allow, allow the grace of God to push you back to Christ and to receive his help. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to give you a moment to be real with God. Uh, you don't have to be real with me.